Another episode of the Love of Purple podcast. I am your host, Krista Kokot, a self made entrepreneur, married for 25 years, mom to two amazing grown men, author, extreme dog lover, speaker, currently living my passion as a life coach for women, helping them rediscover their identity, heal emotional baggage, stop the cycle of people pleasing so they can find purpose beyond traditional roles. Each week on the Love of Purple podcast, I share success stories and techniques from myself and other entrepreneurs and experts showing you exactly how you can live a life filled with passion and purpose. Are you guys ready? Let's get to it. Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Love of Purple podcast. And um, you actually, Rebecca, are my, before I say this out loud, you're my first family member to have on. Ah, wow. Okay, besides Jake and Cole and Carmen. Right. Extended. So thank you for saying yes to coming on the podcast episode. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here. Okay, you guys. I've ever done. So. I know that's what you just said. That I'm, I'm. That's so. I'm so glad, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that I can help you get out there more because, um, I know what you do, you guys. This is my sister Rebecca that I have on the show today, and you, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I have talked a little bit about her. I've put her on my page today. She's on my Instagram story um, because it's your birthday. <laughs> 30, 37 years old, 37 years young. I was just going to say that I'm like, <laughs> actually 37 years young and age is just a number. I've actually changed it from age 37 to level 37 every year. I've reached another level. That's how it feels anyway. So, Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I just think I, in my mind, when I like age has never been a thing for me, even when I turned 40, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like it didn't bother me. And even as I approach 50, I'm like, Okay. Like it just doesn't, cause I don't feel it. So that's no, where I've just exactly. always, I just know that age is just, I just, for me, I go, I get wiser and wiser every year. How exciting that's is that? Yeah. We're taking in more and more education, information and wisdom and experience with each year. So it just gets better and better. I find. Yeah. What I want to do first though, is let people know what you do so that when we we're going to talk about kind of our stories, um, and our, I, I, I kind of want to go, I, people have listened to my first episode. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, it's the very first episode on here, but it shares a little bit about my life journey, but I do a lot of that kind of throughout each episode. I kind of reflect back on my past and where we are today and how we got to where we are. Um, but I, I know you've had your own, your own journey too, but let people know what you do currently right now. So that when we are talking, they can kind of have that as a, as an anchor. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a sound healer, a Reiki master, an intuitive counselor, a sound bath facilitator, a wizard of all things sound and healing. Um, yeah. So basically I work with your biofield. Um, I do biofield tuning with tuning forks. Um, I also work with the crystal singing bowls, um, where I do guided sound baths that are really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Reiki master. So I do all kinds of energy healing um, and intuitive counseling. So a session with me is kind of like all of those things wrapped into one neat little pack, well, no, little one neat package. Yeah, yeah, not little by any means. I've had your your work, and I know that that you were my first sound bath to ever go to. Sound healing. Oh, cool. Um, I've done mm-hmm. breath work and different things, but 
actually I'd had it done a little bit, but nothing like how you guided us through the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. cause you're in Cochrane right now and you do your, do you do live sessions right now as well? Like in-person sessions? Yeah. Yeah. One-on-one sessions in my studio here right. in Cochrane. And then I also um, host events in Cal in and around Calgary in and around Calgary. Yeah. And do you do mm-hmm. online stuff as well? Like if somebody was wanted to reach out to you via online. Yes. Yeah. On my Instagram or my Facebook or my, my website. Okay. Earth Angels Energetics. Yeah. Dot CA. Yeah. And I know that some people will be listening, like, I don't really know what any of that is. And that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of you that do. I'm a woo-woo I, sister. <laughs> exactly. You are my woo-woo sister. But the thing yeah. is, is that I, in the last few years, I've gotten to be more like that. Right. So it's yeah, like, totally. are we, we've talked about that. We're like, wow, we have a lot more in common now than we ever used to. Because we bonded more in the last year than absolutely our entire entire, I totally and so when I moved I know that was tough it was just like oh I'm just getting you (laughs) right I know I know and I and I and I get that yeah so you're my first sound um crystal bowl if you guys don't know what we're talking about just go google that and you'll just see it real quick or go on to Rebecca's Instagram which is barely there (laughs) I know it's ridiculous I had my business one earth angel energetics which makes more sense yeah but having two accounts was just like not copacetic for my mental health so (laughs) I dropped that one and I just kept my personal which is barely there b-a-r-l-e-i-g-h-t-e-h-e-r-e guess what guys I'll put it in the show notes (laughs) guess what guys it's in the show notes Um, thank you you're welcome. Um, no, and I, I, yeah, I've been there so many times on the business aspect, trying to have like multiple uh, platforms, and it's like, and eh, never mind. Um, the reason why you do this line of work is because through your healing journey, through all the trauma that we had growing up, um, that sounds like we did actually. Never mind. I'm not going to say it sounds like we did. We did. Um, that ultimately led you to be your te- the teacher and the healer that you are and the, and the light that you are today, because that's the path you took to help you heal. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was a lot to heal from, and you don't even realize that you need to heal from stuff until you start on a path. And I think I attended my first sound bath. Oh gosh, probably like six or seven years ago in Cochrane here at the yoga studio. I had no mm-hmm. idea what it was, but my friend invited me and, and I went and it shifted something in me. It, mm-hmm it changed, it changed me. Um, and so I, I went every time that, that that lady decided to have a sound bath and it just, it, it just consistently shifted something in me every time. And then one of my, my actual mentor for sound bath, Sarah, she started holding them weekly and I was all aboard for that. Um, and then, yeah, just exponential from a couple of years ago, I do them every week or was attending them every week. Mm. And it really helped with integrating all of the healing that I was doing from the you know, from the traumas and Mm -hmm. the wounding that we've received and gone through Mm -hmm. in our life, which I wouldn't change for the world. I wouldn't change anything the way that it's happened because it's made, made me who I am, made you who are, who you are today. And that's what we talk about a lot when we'll do Instagram, we'll do messages back and forth. And as much as we're being ripped apart sometimes and the healing can be Mm -hmm. really difficult because it feels like we're experiencing it again, because our mind doesn't know the difference. Um, But it also is giving us these tools and this Every single person, the guy, even you guys listening, we all have a story. It's just a matter if we tap into it or not. And we look back at it and take it as that, as a learning lesson. Um, Cause you can live in that victim mode. Whoa, that's happened to me, which I personally did for a while. I know. Or and- shock. 
or shock. Correct. Yeah. Cause right. I didn't even know that right. I was, I didn't even know that I had trauma really until I, you know, late twenties. <laughs> no. And it's true, Rebecca, like, so to give a little bit of backstory, Rebecca, I want you to jump in here with me too, because yeah. we're going to share a little bit of our backstory. Cause you are actually like, if we're going to go, which I want to speak truth, because this is what I feel mm-hmm. like I was never allowed to do growing up. And most people know this, you were never yeah. allowed to be my half sister. You were always just my sister, which was, mm-hmm. I feel that anyways, I don't feel like you're my half sister because yeah. we have different dads, uh, different moms, but the same dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we were raised as, as a unit, right? So right. we didn't get that option. No. To even and think like that. No. Which and I'm I, actually kind of grateful for because I, I mean, I just don't even, I, there's no separation. No. And I, and I, and I hear you on that because I also feel the same with you. I'm like, no, oh, actually she's my sister. Like I don't ever mm-hmm. say you're my half sister until we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what the scope of the family looked like. Here's the tree branches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and then it's, it's like, not, okay, it's yeah, simple. no, it's not simple. And it's, you know, so, um, my dad and your, and your mom got married, which was now your dad. How do I say this? No, He's my dad too. <laughs> I know. How do I say this Reb? Our dad, our your dad. dad married your stepmom. Okay. And when they I, had me when I was, so there was, and she had two daughters. She so had two daughters. she had two daughters. And then my dad had two daughters, which is me and Kim, Kim and I, yeah. and then they got together. So I always say it was his, hers, and theirs. That's how we were raised. Yours, mine, and ours. <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. exactly how it was. Like it was okay. See, we weren't allowed to talk about this a lot. So this is we very, don't really have a lot of clarity. <laughs> and sometimes when, when I'm talking, you're so hilarious. Cause I'll be talking to you guys or I'll be saying, cause I, I, most of you know, I'm writing my memoir still 17 still. years later. <laughs> I'm so excited for it by the way. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're going to read it and be like, Whoa, that's not how I remember. Cause one thing you always say is man, your dates are way off. And I'm your like, I so know, <laughs> I know. And that's what trauma does to you, which I've re- thoroughly realized is that everything is a blur. I'm like, yeah. wow. Was that two years or five years or 10 years? Or so sometimes when we do have these lack of memories, you guys are these time warps or these, whatever it is, it, it's not that you're crazy. It's literally, it was a protective mechanism that your body went yeah. into. Right. hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. And it was an yeah. absolute, it was a survival mode that your trauma that you were experiencing put you into. And like what you said earlier, Rebecca, shock. Yeah. And it was just oh, cool. like, and then you just go into this like mode of, you know, and so I remember growing up and just having these, I would make up stories about my life because I didn't have any memory. I really didn't have many memories. And I remember in high junior high making up stories and lying. And just so I had something that I could remember. And it was crazy, like crazy. I mean, we We grew up with the, well, we grew up with a professional liar though, too. I always say like, he was somebody that very much fudged the truth and had little white lies all the time. And I know you, I say it nicely and you're like, okay, let's call a spade a spade. And I get that. Right. I'm like, wow, you're being so kind. <laughs> I know it's the, where the forgiveness has come in. Totally. And it's necessary or else we would be in a hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they had, so they got, they got married when I was 10, 11. Sure. I, I, honestly. Well, okay. Kim's nine years older than me. You're 11 years older than me. So I would have been born when you were 11 and they were married for a couple of years before I was born. Okay. So they, you would have been nine when they got married. Nine. And then I was 11 when you were born. Yes. Okay. 
see your memories are much more clear because you're new to you were just little well I wasn't born yet so I don't actually remember it <laughs> but I just go on like the math of my sisters are 9 11 13 and 15 years older than me so that's how I kind of gauge everything yeah math was always tricky tricky for me <laughs> <laughs> It's not. So then growing up, because there was such an age difference for us and Kim and I, my other, the other sister, we had a bond because of what we'd been through. Tracy and Tina had had a bond with what they'd been through. Yeah. And then there's you all by myself. Yeah. Child with four siblings. (laughs) Right. And I remember you getting away with murder. Oh, isn't that so funny? You guys have this memory of me being like this spoiled brat, which I was, by the way. (laughs) And I have this memory of like being this like outcast, lonely, like not important, unworthy little nothing. It's so weird, right? Which is so great and so informative for people because that's what I'm talking about right there is that our perspective and our experiences, no matter you wrote a book, I wrote a book, Kim, Tracy, Mm -hmm. Tina, mom, everyone writes a book. It's We're going to have a theme that's through the whole thing. I think that would be the, that would be because you and I had definitely have a theme that we feel very much in alignment with. And that was uh, inner child healing that needed to be done big time (laughs) and dad (laughs) wound, you know, mother wounding, father wounding, all of that kind of stuff that ran very deep within, within for me, it was that I was just never allowed to really express myself. And I was told to be quiet lots and don't cry and couldn't ask any questions. And I just, my voice was so suppressed that from such a young age, long before you came along. And then it just exasperated when you, as I got older and the mm-hmm. suppression kept coming and, and don't say this and do say this. And I remember getting in trouble for saying shit once, right? Like big time trouble. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, Ooh, you said shit. What? I know. I know. And so it was very religious. We've talked about that, like very religious and very, um, controlling. Extremely. Yeah. Like it, you said, cult-like. It, that actually like hit me mm. so hard when I listened to your first podcast, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you had said that, you know, when you were in therapy and the first time you were in therapy or something, they asked you about your, your raising and you told them and they're like, Oh, so you were in a cult, like just no second thought about it. And you're, and it's like immediately in us, we're like, what? No. And we want to defend it. But yes, that hit me. We truly were raised in a cult. She said it so cleanly read. She was looking right at me and she, and both Carmen and I, because he was raised exactly the same, just in a different, different family, mm-hmm. obviously. But she mm-hmm. looked at both of us and she's like, oh, so you guys are raised in a cult. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. the more that I sat with it, the more I was like, holy crap. That's exactly the, the dogmatic religion of and do's and don'ts control the patriarchal control from our, oh yeah. man, like, And it was such a dichotomy because we loved him so much and he was so much fun and he was such a great father (laughs) and grandfather. And yet there was this, like this polarity of Mm -hmm. deep trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like something that I've had to continue to reconcile with myself is like, how can I love someone who treated me so poorly? Mm-hmm. But I do because, you know, it wasn't his fault. He had his own trauma. Right. And so and that's he where just- healing, that's where the healing has come in for you, Reb, mm-hmm. and for myself yeah. and for anyone Forgiveness. that can, right. Because forgiveness. You- forgiveness has been ultimate in my journey. 
Like I've had to forgive him and I've had to forgive myself and I've had to forgive you and mom and everyone. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, I used to think that having tears about something meant that I wasn't healed, but I mean, are we ever really fully healed? <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's just like, I'm so grateful that I can have tears now because there were so many years. I didn't even know these tears were in, in me. That's why you so. suppressed them. Yeah. Now I don't Now I'm just like, <laughs> mom's like, you're so emotional. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> And, and yes, yay. And yeah, yay, I am. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm actually super, super honored to be mm-hmm. emotional. So. And I and I hear you on that because there were so many years where I did the same thing, Reber. I would cry in the garage by myself with drinking a whole bottle yeah. of wine and smoking shame. great prime times. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah just absolutely. Shame. Just so much shame. And I didn't want anyone to know that I was hurting yeah. so badly. And I think to your point is I didn't even know how to put it to words because the shock and the grief and grief has a, is a beast of its own. And I know our, our dad passed away, was killed in a tragic car accident. We're going on 16 years, I guess this June. Yeah. It would have been 2005. Yeah. Cause Bowden was a baby. Yeah. No. Yeah. 16 or 17. It was 16. Just 17. Wow. Math 17 math. because it was 2005. So 17 years ago on father's day in June. How much fun is it to listen to us talk, to listen to us talk about math, <laughs> try and figure out. <laughs> okay, you guys, this is why I don't do math. And anyways, I'm, I'm good with some of the things that I know. Together, um, we got it. Figured. Together, we'll get it. And, and, but this is literally why 17 years later, the tears are still there. The trauma, we're still where you still uncover. And I call it a, I call it a layer uh, an onion layer, right? You peel back one layer and then there's another one. And, and if we have it's relationship, silo, right? I, I like that you say, you say a silo or is spiral. that is a what a spiral? Yeah. 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 Like it when you draw back and back and yeah. And it yeah. just gets, what happens when you do the healing journey and Reb, you can attest to this too, is that we're able to move through it quicker because when you first begin, it's yeah. like, I'm stuck in this dirty diaper in this mud hole and oh. I cannot get out. If I would have started this crying, this would have been the first time I started crying about dad. We would, I'd be a blubbering mess, right? Yeah. We'd put it on pause and we'd have to go circle back. Yeah. No. And that's why I haven't had, that's why I try not to have people on the beginning of the journeys because I understand I've been there. So if you're somebody that's listening and you're like, I don't know where to begin it, you're, that's perfect. That's actually a great place to be because then you're open and you're receptive to just go, I don't know where to even start. I just and know that I've got take good direction too. Right. Because you, you don't have a, a framework to work with. No. Yeah. And I love when people like, I know for myself, when I first started sharing my story and the real, when I really first started talking about it, my thing was, I didn't have a story. And I talked about that on my last episode that I did with Teresa. And I never mm-hmm. thought I had a story like ever. I remember sitting in the counselor and I was just like, no, nothing really happened to me growing up because I had been so conditioned to believe that this was normal, mm-hmm. right? We'd been told this was normal. This was okay. This is right. This is what this is right. It this was, is so okay. I always grew up thinking I had a normal family, like hundred percent normal. And everyone else was, had crazy families. Same. And then I grew up <laughs> and then I grew up and I was like, wow, my family takes the cake. <laughs> No, I totally Reb. And that was me too. I'm like, wow, good thing. We're so normal. Yeah. (laughs) What a joke. What a joke. Nobody is. And that's the thing I, what I, and, and the reason why we can talk like this is is because we are normal, (laughs) right? What is normal? Aren't we talking about that anyways? What is normal? (laughs) 
so it's it's very much like so for you I want to go back to like how you first became aware what was don't tell us all the things you were suppressing and all the, you know, cause I know you were doing a ton of things in your own life to just kind of not feel. Cause you didn't know it was shock. Numb out. <laughs> right. To numb out. Now you can look back. Right. So what was your turning point? That was like, Holy crap, I've got to get my shit together. I'm going down a bad path here. That's going to lead me nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It, and did uh, you realize it was actually like the family dynamic and, and like, Oh man, Kate, we're messed it's my no. job to heal from this. No, I didn't even know that I had to heal from anything when I first okay. started. Like, Perfect. No clue. Everything that I've ever done pretty much in my entire life, I've just fell upon. Mm. It's just come into my life. And I didn't know that I needed it when it came in. Mm. Kind of like so yeah, I was numbing out. I was going through a really, really dark night of the soul for a Meaning? very long time. Dark night of the soul is that moment in your life which can last, mine lasted years, pretty much all of my 20s. Um, yeah, until I was about 28, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a good- I want you know, to explain good- it because people are going to be like, oh shit, that's me right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it's just like you, you're, well, I was numbing out from the shock of losing my father, our father. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just had a baby mm-hmm. and I was getting out of an unhealthy, very toxic relationship with his father. Um, who we have a great relationship now, thank mm-hmm. God. Um, but I was getting out of that. I was moving back in with my mom, with my baby, because dad just died and she was alone. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I then started partying mm-hmm. and partying hard, um, being gone every weekend, all weekend, just copious amounts of drugs and alcohol and sex. Like the dark night of the soul mm-hmm. is when you are feeling rock bottom for however long Mm. and you're just trying to numb out you're just trying to feel something you're just trying to stop feeling something whatever that is for you it's it's it doesn't feel good and Mm -hmm. it's a shadow it's the whole shadow just Mm -hmm. consuming and so like I said I had experienced a sound bath and that shifted something in me but what made you go to that like what made you ultimately go to that like what made you go sure I'll try it a client and a friend of mine, actually my very first tribe member, <laughs> my very first conscious friend that I okay. had before I was even really conscious, Consci- yep. um, she invited me mm. and I trusted her. So I thought, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and it was just so, so profound that the, she took us on a journey, like a meditation and she... <laughs> She played her singing bowls and they just moved, shifted like the cells within my body mm-hmm. and different perspectives came in and, and it introduced me to my first, you know, animal spirit guide of mm-hmm. animals, tiger. And, mm-hmm. and it, was, it. it was, yeah, I had, she introduced the sacred geometry. And so all of these things just started to like sit in me and I found my first mentor. Um, yeah, I went for hypnotherapy to quit smoking. And I think it was probably 29, 28 or 29. And he's a spiritual psychotherapist, a medical doctor, a psychiatrist. He's all of the things. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a yogi as well. And I had, I had started doing yoga just physically. And the breath work and the meditation aspect of yoga had started to shift something in me as well. Mm-hmm. Like I had started to feel that it was more than just physical. Mm-hmm. And 
I went to my mentor for the first time and he hypnotized me. He did hypnotherapy. And I'll never forget the very first time I did hypnotherapy. It, it blew my mind because I didn't know it was possible to go to the, he took me to the very edge of my anxiety. I had always my entire life suffered with anxiety and, um, Sorry, I'm just like going back. No, into I know. Like, it's good. I'm a, yep. I'm a waterworks person. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Yep. Um, plus, plus, you miss me. Plus, I miss you. It's full moon. It's my birthday, so I can cry <laughs> if I want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. There we go. Right? Oh, so anyway, he took me into to this state where I went in. Yeah, I had chronic insomnia. I would never sleep more than three hours a night. Mm. I was addicted and dependent on sleeping pills and Xanax for mm. years. Mm. Um, and when I went in for quitting smoking, he took me to the very, he made me go into the feeling of my anxiety mm. and he pushed me to the very edge to turn, turned up the volume max on my anxiety and made me feel it fully and go straight to the, to the cliff edge of my anxiety. And he said, look over the edge. And like, that's the, that's the abyss of all, you know, what my anxiety would consume within me. And he told me to jump. Mm. Mm. Oof. And I still like, that was the most powerful moment for me as I jumped off the cliff and I just mm. like surrendered and it felt so terrifying and so liberating all at mm. the same time to just like fully feel and embody all that I was keeping at arm's length with mm. pills and mm. alcohol and drugs and numbing. And I felt it and I embraced it and I honored it. And then I was able to release it. I was able to release it. And he also taught me how to cord cut, mm. which was monumental in my healing from father. <laughs> I do that with um, my clients. Yeah. I do that with my clients. It's right. It's, it's, it's transformative. Yeah. It's like, I, there's no way I could, that I do it with all my clients. Like it's necessary. We have so many ties and I do it daily almost still. I'll do it sometimes daily here. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I know mm -hmm. I was just speaking to a friend and, and she had um, some issues come up in her life about a friend and it triggered her trauma response with her sister wound mm -hmm. with her physical sister, mm -hmm. her biological sister. And I, I was walking her through it and she, I had asked her, I'm like, have you done cord cutting with her? And she's like, Oh, I did a ceremony like two years ago. So I'm like, <laughs> it's not one and done thing. Mm -hmm. Like it is a, it is a practice mm -hmm. really like everything else. Like, like everything. These, these ties, they've been so connected to us for so long. We've mm -hmm. been holding on to them for so yep. long that it takes time and practice to learn how to cut them. So anyway, my mentor, I don't, I'm going off on a tangent. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. So my mentor, um, meeting him in my late twenties, he was a yogi as well. He was part of the SRF, this, um, self-realization fellowship, which is, was brought in over by, um, Yogananda, which was my first guru, mm -hmm. um, being raised in a very Christian home. We weren't allowed. I was going to circle back to this. I was going to circle yes, back to your religious spirituality. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So being raised in, in our home, a very Christian very Christian home, we were not allowed to seek answers outside of the Bible. We were not allowed to ask questions about anything that didn't make sense, which so much of it didn't make sense. And we were just forced to accept it. And mm -hmm. I couldn't, I'm such a rebel. I'm like, Oh, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so when I was an adult, like fully an adult in my late twenties, and dad had been gone long enough that I felt safe 
to inquire. <laughs> You're catching me on the full moon and first day I know, of my It's moon. all good. It's all good. And, and this is your first recording of doing all of first episode time. talking really yeah. about it all. It's good. Yeah, exactly. It's good. Um, yeah. So I had finally found this book called Autobiography of a Yogi and I read it and it is, I think I actually saw the, the uh, documentary first. I think it's okay. called Awake, um, Yogananda's um, documentary and it really resonated. So I read his book and that shifted something in me. And my new mentor was a student of SRF, mm. which is in by Yogananda. So he was a student of Yogananda as well. And so he really mentored me spiritually in mm. how to how to heal and how to transmute these these pain and suffering and wounds and triggers and traumas into power and into beauty, really. Mm -hmm. So he was monumental in my and he was this wonderful, like 70 something year old man. I, I love it. I loved him. So he was also really healing for the father wound. Right. Mm. We did a lot of work on healing my wound with dad but it came from a male which normally mm. wouldn't be a safe space to do so from but he really opened that up for me um yeah so that was I don't remember the original question but that's where it all kind of started was with my mentor and yoga and yogananda and then from there I it once you kind of get on the path it just kind of like picks mm -hmm. up its own steam mm -hmm. like it takes on its own life and um yeah, I just started reading book after book after book. Mm. One of the, I think the very first book that he recommended me was Conscious Loving by Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. And that one shifted mm -hmm. massive perceptions in my mind. I don't, have you read it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So, so good, good, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah, I highly recommend that book to everyone yeah. just starting um, on their path. And when I say like on their path, it's like this personal development, spiritual mm -hmm. development, you know, the, the path that we're on of, of trying to heal and be better humans for this world. Well, and I think Rebecca, like, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, there's stuff in there that I didn't even know. I remember your anxiety being through the roof. I remember that. I remember mm -hmm. you were, it was, you was part of your identity. Yeah. yeah. It was like, I'm anxious. I'm an anxious person. I got anxiety. It was just very much who you were. And I also remember you, I've never heard the, how it, you broke through it. I never heard about the cliff and jumping into it. And I know that that's going to resonate with a lot of people because anxiety is huge. Mm -hmm. especially right now. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. right going now. Into it is like unthinkable. You can't go into that. That would tear you apart. That would tear you or, apart. Or it'll set you free. <laughs> I was going to say what, what came to me when you were talking right there was what I talk about a lot. And you just, you kind of said it differently and beautifully was just jumping in and empowering and freeing, but surrender. You just surrendered to it mm -hmm. all. It was like, here we go. I don't know what this is going to do, but what I've been doing isn't working either. Yeah. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what it comes down to when you decide to just go, okay, what I'm doing and the path I'm on right now isn't working. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting frustrated and lonely and scared. And I'm tired of getting drunk every night. And I'm tired of doing drugs and I'm tired of sleeping with everybody. And I know for yeah. me, I talk about how I went, I went dark for a bit too. And I drank my way absolutely because I wanted to feel something other than the pain of what I was feeling of the loss of my dad, of dad. Yeah. And so for me, the, the hangover feeling was better and getting drunk was numbing and yeah. blacking out was numbing. And then having the hangover feeling was something else that I could deal with. That wasn't acknowledging the grief. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? It keeps you in this cycle of numb. Yeah. 
of yeah. safety. Absolutely. Unquote, right? like yeah. Safe from the, from the trauma. From so then when we start, and sometimes like, I love that. I love the sound bowls. Like um, Jess, your friend is down here and she does them down here, does the healing yeah. bowls down here. And what I, what I found with being in your um, part of your healing circle was the sound. I'm a talker. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> And both. I know you, we both are, and our minds are really good at being able to come up with what needs to be said in order for us to quote unquote, feel better, except for that doesn't work. Our bodies are feeling it. Our minds are not, our minds are going to rationalize and try and get our way through it. Right. So what I find with sound healing, and you can help describe this probably better, but it's like, there's no words, your body and the energy of the sound and the ripple and the water within us. And you're going to explain this better than me, but it, ooh, that's how we heal. There's no words to be said. Exactly. Well, we're, we're, we're frequency. We're energy. We are energy. Like everything that we see, feel, hear, touch is energy. And, and it's basically just light um, moving. So it's, we're frequency, we're energy, we're vibration. And these bowls or any sound healing for that matter, but mm-hmm. I'm just like obsessed with the bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they work on the energy on the frequency of your bodies and i say bodies because we have more than one body we have energy bodies mm-hmm. we have our mental body our emotional body our causal body we have like the astral body mm-hmm. we have our physical body and the frequencies and vibrations of the bulls work on every single layer of who we are mm-hmm. and they heal they bring um harmony and resonance into our cells they work on the, like you said the water in our body mm-hmm. and and they bring the water in our body into like this resonance of pureness and so they totally eradicate it it can eradicate disease and and not just disease of the body but disease of the mind and the spirit and so yeah you're right you don't need to speak um i do because i like to talk to you and i like to take them on really cool adventures um but yeah you don't need to speak you can just play the bowls and just allow them to wash over your body and Mm -hmm. like move through your body and you will feel shifts you will feel Absolutely. And that's why, and this is all called somatic healing, you guys. So when Mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, I talk about somatic healing, whether it's dancing, that's why breath, breath ceremonies are really powerful for me or breath work (laughs) itself. When I'll do a breath work by myself now, because I know what I'm doing and what I'm feeling, but um, Jake, my son just did one a month ago and he's like, mom, it was 45 minutes. I've never felt the tingling in my life. And I'm like, I know it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing because yeah, there's no words. It's allowing the healing and the trauma and all the things inside that you can't put words to just move, right? Yeah. Because that's what has to move is this stuck energy that's within us, yeah. the stuckness of, of sadness and anger and bitterness and whatever it is. It's like, it's stuck yeah. in there and we can't articulate, like we just can't, nobody can. And that's no, and why you're right, Winnie. talk therapy Sorry. doesn't work all the time. No, talk therapy just doesn't work all, all the time. I believe it is in part of it for sure. I believe journaling is part of it. Like I'm a huge journaler. So are you. Yeah. And so we believe that that's actually part of it, but there's so many different systems. Totally Rebecca. There's so many different things. And thank God, like, thank God there's so many different modalities because you know, it's, it's exciting. And and if we only had sound baths, how boring would that be? I know. (laughs) Well, and it's, and and some works, I know. And for you, right. And some people like some things work better 
or, or yeah. they'll, ha- they'll have breakthroughs or aha moments with certain things yeah. that like, I mean, my inner child work that I do with my clients, there's this one specific um, exercise that I have them do. And it is every time I'm like, Oh, I can't wait. Cause I just know what happens in this one specific formative. Absolutely. Reb. It's like this. And they're like, mm-hmm. what the, I'm like, I love that part. Whereas yeah. my sound, my um, breath work ceremony that I first started going to that I walked away from, I'm like, what just happened to me? Totally. Like, what just happened? Totally. Breath work is mind blowing. Yeah. I, one day I'd, I'd like to get um, certified. certified. Breath work yeah. Because I do think that it is probably the most powerful healing. Modality. It's not down here that much. I don't see it that much. So I'm like, Interesting. Hmm, yeah, yeah you it, should get into that. I know. I know. Like I do it and I, you know, but yeah. Anyways, side note. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I guess I wanted, I, I wanted people to hear like what, you know, what ultimately led you down that path. And I, you touched on it just saying like, they've all fallen into your lap, but in the end, you've had to say yes. In the end, yeah. you've come to a point of going, I'm done. I've got to look elsewhere. And that's where mm-hmm. all of us have to come to this point of just mine was flat on the garage floor, drunk out of my mind and going, okay, mm-hmm. this, I cannot do any longer. Like this is mm-hmm. not helping healing, helping. And again, it wasn't this like one and done. It's a constant like I still, I feel myself down, you know, move through this whole move. I don't know if I ever talked about it, but through this whole move, when I was packing and crying back home all the time, something that rose up for me was when I was young, when I was really little and my dad was moving around so much, I never got to say goodbye to certain people that I'd gotten close Mm -hmm. to. I never got to say goodbye to girls that I'd met at the campground or a family that had babysat me while my dad was working, you know, before he met, you know, um, mom, before he met your mom he would jump around to different campgrounds. And I would, I would have these relationships with these girls, like these young girls that were six, seven, eight, my age. And I remember like not being able to say goodbye to them. And that came up for me big time was that I was leaving everyone in Calgary, not, and I was just going to up and leave. And so I had this, this inner child within me was just like, I don't want to leave them. What if they think I'm leaving them forever? Like all of that was like, I never got to say, goodbye. I'm like, so I had to do closure in that part of my life. Like I had to go back to being that age and wrote letters to Shannon Clausen and Edward, White, like all these people that I remember. Yeah. And I wrote letters to them. Yeah. Well, and you, and you're, you're right. It's like, it, it is like an onion or a cycle because it, these, these old traumas, come bubbling up once we've done enough work to be able to heal them properly right so it's like oh shouldn't I be healed by now shouldn't this stuff be done coming up but it's like even yesterday I spent a good amount of the day in the forest just sitting there and it was just constant stuff coming up Mm. and like deep mother wound Mm. coming up and like me having to move through that and like go into like mom and my relationship and her Mm. as a child and it's like whoa, Whoa. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is still happening. Like I thought I did it. No. And it's crazy, but you're right. Because we came from a time where we had to not look yeah. at these things. Yeah. Right. And, and I came out of my dark night of the soul and I didn't even realize really the trauma that I had incurred mm-hmm. in that time. Like I had incurred a lot of trauma, like rape and beating yeah. and le- all the things that I didn't even really realize were trauma to be healed. Right. At the time. How crazy is that? Right. Well, and that's because that was, yeah. Well, yeah, it was shocking. (laughs) Right. Right. When we go into shock, we, we protect ourselves and we don't think about them and we hide them away. We actually like disassociate with ourselves. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the only thing, the only way that I can actually see what happened to when people say things like what you just said is I just see yourself hovering above yourself. And they say that happens in, in rape and those types of things that, you know, you're, you actually leave your body. Uh, yeah, you, I, you can't I, physically I didn't even know what happened till the next day. And then yeah. flashbacks were coming in and I was like, whoa, 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 what is that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. The only way that I can kind of, and this isn't even going to be, but it was during coal with my childbirth and it was the mm-hmm. pain because I didn't have any pain meds. I mean, I did, but they weren't working. So anyways, mm-hmm. but I remember hovering above my, like I can see myself. I was just like an angel hovering above me, watching me go through this pain. But I was, it was, a, it was like, you're going to do this. This is just so painful that I had to remove your physical body. Cause you can't handle it. You yeah. literally can't handle the pain that you're going through right now. So I'm just going to remove that. And then you're going to spiritually just give birth. Like it was the most crazy. Th- I don't ever so talk about cool. it because it was so crazy and so cool. Like yeah. that's just, yeah, that's your higher self taking over. That's Absolutely. Trust and surrender in your own self. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, but, um, Yeah. What, what, what I want to, what I really want to steer, steer back to is just the fact that we, you listening, Rebecca and I from the same family, and it doesn't matter if there's something in your life that's not, you're not able to move through. Here's what I wanted to get to Reb was Mm -hmm. what happens if we don't heal or acknowledge or deal with that kind of stuff in our life that, and everyone's trauma is different and everybody has their Mm -hmm. own thing. It can be a divorce. It can be your parents arguing. It can be, you Mm -hmm. thought it was a picket, you know, you thought you had this picket white fence growing up and nothing really major happened to you, but maybe you were left at home once too long or, you know, whatever, like everyone's is different, but we all have something. And what happens what happens for me is that I'm not able to move forward in my life. I keep repeating patterns that are holding me back. Yeah. And I keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again, but it's a limit. I'm stuck in a loop and I'm like, what Mm -hmm. that for me is a warning sign that I need to go back and deal and heal with something that I haven't dealt with. Yeah. Would you agree with that or how, like what happens if we don't heal and we don't deal with things in our life? Like, because some people would say like, do you ever have to really go back and do that work? Can't you just like live your life and not have to do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, you just cut out there for a second. Um, okay. yeah, no, if, I mean, I feel like if I never started on this path, if I never started, you know, doing the work, I would probably have cancer <laughs> or have gotten in a crazy car accident or you know like it, if you don't heal all of the wounding within yourself it will come out in another way mm. you will get sick you will get a disease you will marry an abusive spouse you will have an accident where you're maimed for life like if mm-hmm. you don't heal the universe will give you more of mm. that trauma you know so I mean, it's, I know if I didn't, I'd be, I don't even know where I'd be today. Honestly, yeah. I probably wouldn't be alive. Honestly. Yeah. No, um, I know. And lots of people yeah. say that lots of people say that they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know where I'd be. I don't mm-hmm. know where I, it's, it's too painful to see that. It's too <sighs> yeah. scary to look where you'd be. Yeah. It's like, it's really, really hard to do the work. It's really hard to face 
your shadow. It's really hard mm. to face the inner demons, so they call them, but really they're angels, they're opportunities, right? Mm. It's hard to do it. It's hard to look at it. It's hard to feel what you've been running from your entire life, but it's so important to do so. It's, it's harder to live a life where you don't. And I think you touched on it there. It's hard to do it because it's what's familiar and it's what we feel is safe and it's our comfort zone and what has been quote unquote working. And I know Mm -hmm. in my line of work, my pleasing everybody else and saying what needs to be said, that's worked for me to keep me safe and keep me alive and keep me going in my family dynamic growing up that, that kept me on, um, without getting into too much trouble. I mean, I was a rebel like huge, Mm -hmm. but you know, I always knew what to say to get me out of the trouble. I always knew. Yeah, how you to were say- good at making people smile or laugh. Like you'd say something jabby and then you'd be like, just kidding. Absolutely. And like, oh, that Krista. <laughs> Absolutely. It was just, it was, yeah. I'm like, okay, I know how to do this. Cause I needed to get my words in there. And I remember like trying to be tongue in cheek with my dad and getting in trouble because I wasn't allowed to, you know, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. work on him, <laughs> you know? Right. So I would get, yeah, I would get in trouble for it, whatever. But I, you know, I just remember those things that once served a purpose for us, they will begin to no longer serve us. They will begin to no longer be advantageous in where we want to go in life. A hundred percent. And that's when, that's when the awareness comes up. Exactly. And it's the awareness of these things that, um, were, were for us, worked for us, like you said, yeah, in survival, they right. helped us survive when we were in survival, but we're not in survival anymore. No. We're well on our path. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we've got our boots on, we're doing the work. And so now we, we get to step into thrive and those tools that we had in survive mode aren't the same tools that we need for thrive. So, no. you know, to it's have learning so them much gratitude, to have mm-hmm. so much gratitude for the fact that we had them when we needed them and mm-hmm. that they did serve us for so long. Um, but it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a constant practice and we gain new tools and new, new, I call them spiritual tools in my backpack, right. To get through different periods of our lives and to move through different issues and, and, and not even just struggles, but the awesomeness too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we gain different tools for all aspects of our life as we grow on this path. And and I'm just so grateful to have a toolkit that's so full right now. Mm -hmm. I know. And we just look at all the stuff that we, we, we got to, we got to live through and experience. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's how you and I both talk about it because our wording is very important. And I, I often will say like, I wouldn't change anything and I wouldn't change how I am like continually. I continually look at, am I doing this to please other people? Or are I doing this because it's what Krista wants to do? And I wouldn't change yeah. that because it allows me to be the coach that I am. It allows me to be have awareness, right? Like, I don't want to get rid of that completely. Cause then what do I, you know, I'm like, no, actually I I'm very grateful because then it allows me to actually show up as me when I can ask myself that question over and over and over again. So Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't even know, I mean, I didn't know that boundaries and people pleasing was a thing until you started coaching. on it. Mm. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, that makes sense. Like it's very cool how even your toolkit is very different from my toolkit. Mm-hmm. And yet, we, like you said, we came from the same place yep. and we're on this, we our own paths, but the same kind of journey. And mm-hmm. yet I didn't even know people pleasing was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like well, I, neither did I. I, I didn't, yeah. Well, I mean, I attained a lot of healing without I think well that was 
yeah, your journey was very different than mine. So that was, that was kind of your thing was people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And mine was more rebellious. Mine was more like F you, mm -hmm. <laughs> less right. people pleasing. And uh, yeah, more just putting up a big, a big shield, a big guard yeah. around myself. I well, I was, out. mine was losing who I, I was always there. I just didn't know who I was anymore because I had morphed to so much of yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'll do whatever you want. Like I had just done so much of that and it became so natural for me to do it. And then, and what's becoming even more apparent for me is that if I, if, and when people do leave my life, I revert back to that because I feel I won't mm -hmm. lose people again, if I can just please them a little bit more. So that's something that becomes really clear for me is yeah is that oh when people start to leave or they're backing away i'm like oh what can i do for you because i don't want to lose you and i'm like oh it flares up really big then so yeah no kidding hey mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah no with me i wasn't allowed to talk as you weren't allowed yeah. to say a lot of things and my punishment i don't know if you guys had the punishment that i did mm -hmm. um i the torture <laughs> that yeah. i incurred from father was the lectures mm -hmm. and <laughs> I'm definitely going to cry if I talk about this one yeah. because that's my trauma was yeah. the lectures. He didn't beat me. He, he wasn't, I don't know. He didn't go and do anything physical that I'm aware of, Yeah. but the, the speaking, lectures, the lectures were so, they just were relentless mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and they, they were would go on for hours and yeah. hours and hours and he would just come down on me so stern for hours and I remember feeling like I can't talk and I can't breathe and if I mm -hmm. just don't talk and if I just don't breathe maybe I'll disappear and he'll stop mm. and that's where my anxiety came from ah. yeah because it was like like this constant fight or flight like freezing like I would just mm. freeze up Mm -hmm. and just feel like I wanted to disappear and so moving forward in life I would just like I would get that feeling I'd have panic attacks all the mm -hmm. time and just want to like disappear so um mm -hmm. yeah being able to to come face to face with that finally was, mm -hmm. was so healing because mm -hmm. yeah that was my and I don't know did he do that with you girl? absolutely for me though I knew what to say to make it quick Oh, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I know. I just, I yeah. Talk. So I got, the, I got the beatings, but I also, which absolutely was oh, yeah, something I, I had to overcome. <laughs> you did. You got, you got some. Yeah. Got which I had to, lot. yeah. Which I had to, you know, I, that was something that came up right away for me when I started my memoir. And I'm like, Ooh, we need to start healing around that because I felt the physical harm with a belt on a bare butt and having welts yeah. was normal. And, yeah. you know, and it, it's not. <laughs> and no. so you know, well, I always, and there was a second aspect to that too, because you just said, you know, the bear, the belt on the bare butt. And yeah, I had that too. And it's traumatic to get beaten by your father with a tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the second aspect of that, that I had to go into the taboo aspect is, is it inappropriate for him to tell us to take our pants and underpants mm -hmm. all the way down and bend over mm -hmm. as a six year old girl? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> didn't, I didn't even think about. I didn't mm -hmm. even think about that 